This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and now it's time for the Jack Riccardi Show. And it is a beautiful day. Boy, boy isn't about it? That. And boy, am I stoked, Christian, when I heard you say that the State of the Union speech is tomorrow night. Boy, I got so excited. Woo! <laughs> That's, that just sounds, that sounds uh, like a lot of fun. Can't wait. Are you ordering, ordering pizza delivery oh, or what? Yeah, friends yeah. are coming over. I'm right. decorating. Yeah. No, you know it. Super Bowl schmooper bowl. <laughs> I saw I saw a story over the weekend. It was talking about how science is helping us live longer, and you know, conquering disease and illness and the breakdown of cells. And the doctor said the doctor in the story was quoted as saying, "The first person to live to be one hundred and fifty is already alive today." And my thought was, God, I hope it is not me. I was going to say, who wants to be around for a century and a half? What? I just can't, you know, even... The, the, you can't have a hobby you enjoy that much. Mm-mm. No, you right? can't. Yep, you're going to outgrow everything. Enough, there aren't enough coins to collect. I mean, there, you know, I just... So, we'll see. All right, well, good afternoon. Welcome to our dreadful little show on this beautiful Monday. I'm glad you're here. And you can join the show if you're listening live right now, 210-599-5555. Taking your calls right now. So the balloon is down, but my questions are up. I've got more of them than ever. Um, as you probably heard over the weekend, President Maverick gave the order. He showed them, you can't send a balloon all the way across the United States for a week. Without us shooting it down in the Atlantic after it's seen everything there is to see. We'll show you. He says, by the way, he gave the order in midweek, but those panty waist generals wouldn't shoot it down over, over land. Sure. I'm, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that's right. So here are some of my questions. And I want to, I want to hear what you think about this and what you're wondering about or thinking about this whole balloon story. I mean, the balloon crossed into Alaskan airspace, right? Then it was in Canada, and then it was in Montana, I think, or Idaho, and then Montana. Are you telling me, are you telling me, and I was, a, I was an average geography student, okay? Are you telling me that in all the time it was over Alaska, in all the time it was over Montana, you couldn't bring it down? You... You, the, the two most sparsely populated states couldn't do it, can't do it. I'm not buying that. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, you, you, you had all the time to see it coming. Then you had it over two states full of white Republicans. What do you care? Right? Just, come on. And then we're told that the president called Beijing during the week. Now, I'd like to see a transcript of that call. Remember when everybody was on fire to have transcripts of Trump's call to Ukraine? I, I want a transcript 
of the Biden call to Beijing, what did he tell him? Was he rough on him? And if it was a civilian airship, which the Chinese claim it was, why shoot it down at all? And how is it that we only found out about it when people were seeing it out the window of commercial jetliners? So that means the government knew about it, but was not saying anything about it. And then, as you heard on Saturday, when it got over the waters off the Carolinas, they took it down, I think, with a, a air-to-air rocket or missile. There's some spectacular video of that if you want to see it. It's pretty cool. Um, and now they're looking for the pieces of it, which I guess if it was important to have the pieces of it, maybe that wasn't the best way to bring it down. I don't know. I mean, seems like you don't want to decimate, obliterate the thing if you're interested in recovering it. And then after all that really didn't work, after all that just wasn't really flying, even the even the media who normally give this president the widest possible berth, even they, even the Jake Tappers and the Joe Scarboroughs, just weren't having it. Then we got the card you knew they would play, you knew this was coming, Well, there were balloons when Trump was president. Absolutely knew. I'm bragging. I know I am. I knew they would say that. Knew it. There were Trump balloons. Lots of them. The sky was dark with Chinese balloons while Trump was president. Except that then they went and asked just about every Trump national security person. They asked Bolton and Esper and all these people. And some of these people hate Trump now. They've broken with him. But they went back to all the Trump National Security alumni, Rick Grinnell, all these people, and none of them had ever heard. None of them had ever been briefed. Bolton said, I would have known, and I did not know. Esper said they would have had to tell me, and they didn't tell me. Grinnell says, I did a deep dive into Chinese intelligence gathering activities. I never found this. So why would they lie about a guy with whom they've broken Are they all lying? It's a chance to make Donald Trump look bad. And then I thought, well, maybe the Pentagon knew about balloons in the Trump era, but decided not to tell Trump's appointees because remember it was, you know, it wasn't a real, he wasn't a real president and they weren't really the secretaries of state or what have you. I mean, I suppose that's a possibility given what we know about the military under Trump. Maybe they, maybe they had the balloon info and they just didn't tell. A lot of questions. Um, is anyone, and I will, I promise I will hear you out. Is anyone convinced that the only course of action you could take was the one we did take? You have to let it fly all the way across the country. You don't dare interrupt its flight for danger of, of people down below. There wasn't any point over Idaho or Montana or Alaska. There was no point you could do it. Does anyone believe that what they did was the only thing? Any reasonable, Jack, that's that's all you could do. That's all you can do. We don't know what the capabilities of the balloon were. I mean, they may know, but we, we're not being told. But it already, I think, proved or observed something pretty clear, and that is weakness. That is dithering weakness. And I guess my question would be, did anything in the 
trajectory of this story make it any less likely that if you were China, you would do this again? What would be the, what, why not? What have you got to lose? If you missed any shots, you know, seems like you could do it again. And if you're telling me we've been doing it for years, they were doing it under Trump, then I would even double down on that question. What, what, at what point do we start acting like a sovereign country? I'm not even asking us to act like a superpower, just like could we assert like the, the sovereignty of the average country? 210-599-5555. And then the, the pivot to Trump is, is glorious because, I'm sorry, but I seem to remember that the rationale for electing President Corn Pop was that he would be so much better, right, that this would be, you know, saving the soul of the country, returning the country to professional leadership, experienced, steady hand, people who know how to do it. We had this crazy guy that was a, was a television reality host, and we need, we need people that are seasoned veterans. And so if, this happens on your watch, Team Biden, and your defense is, well, it happened to them too, then I would just as soon have them back. You know, could we just go back to them then if you're not any better at this, like you claimed you would be? Um, Senator Marco Rubio was on CNN's State of the Union, and they started to run this jive on him that... uh Hey, what about when Trump was president? And pardon the pun, Marco Rubio shot it down. Cut number two. Okay, well, the difference is this. Are we aware? Have we seen the Chinese fly these balloons in the past? Yes. I think there's even Twitter pictures of it flying at one point uh, off the coast of the U.S. Uh, down south somewhere. The, the, the existence of the balloons is not a mystery to people in, in, the, in, in that field. What, what we've never seen, what is unprecedented, and whoever the source was at the Department of Defense would have to acknowledge this, what is unprecedented is a balloon flight that entered over Idaho and, and flew over Montana, over all these sensitive military installations, Air Force bases, ICBM fields, right across the middle of the country. That has never happened before. That is unprecedented. That, that it flew briefly over some part of the U.S. or continental U.S., that's one thing. But what we saw this week, it's unprecedented. And that's why everyone's reacting the way they're reacting. We've never seen this. So th- this is no comparison to anything that may have happened up to this point. Mm. Rubio's, of course, not a big uh, Trump fan. Getting Donald Trump is always the most important thing to the left, to the media, to the Democratic Party. No matter what the story is, in the last second of the last minute of the last hour of human life on Earth, this will be their angle. Last week and the week before, we talked about a story from the Columbia Journalism Review that was dissecting Russiagate. This was you know, Trump's colluding with Russia. They helped him win the 2016 election. And the Columbia Journalism Review concluded the journalists went not only beyond their traditional roles, but betrayed their traditional job or responsibilities. They were committed to proving the conspiracy theory true, no matter what the evidence showed. They ignored what contradicted or um, degraded the story, cherry-picked and played up things that seem to give credence to the story that Trump is a Russian sleeper agent. 
it's a very long piece. M- most people would not want to read the whole thing. You'd have to be a journalism student, a journalist, a person that had a penchant for self-abuse, uh, or me. Um, but it, it's, it's probably safe to say that um, it's okay for journalists to have a point of view. I mean, you couldn't expect them not to, right? They're, they're human. I, I don't even mind that journalists are going to tend to come from a certain part of the country, tend to go to certain schools, tend to have a certain makeup. Okay. That's inevitable. We can, we can live with that. But when they are not trying and when they are justifying subjectivity over objectivity, not only are they worthless to us, but they miss things that they otherwise would have seen. In, in the case of Russiagate, had they tried to get the facts straight, it would not have been difficult to discover that it was very thin, very contrived. Their sources were all compromised. But they weren't trying to do those things. They weren't interested in doing those things. You won't be a good journalist if you're not trying to be one, and they weren't trying to be one. And they've now told themselves, not we need to do better, or this is a real problem, or this might explain our declining ratings and readership. They're telling themselves this is exactly what people want from us. They wanted us to go after Trump. They wanted us to restore normalcy to the republic. They wanted us to get rid of this this creature worse than Hitler. We did a great thing by promoting tinfoil hat theories about him. And so it doesn't surprise me that they are grabbing on to the Trump had balloons too story like it's a life preserver and they just fell off the deck of the Titanic. I mean they they this is so this is this is what they've been waiting for all weekend. Thank God. Trump had balloons. <laughs> what do you think about it? 210-599-5555. Oh, we got a good weekend, by the way. I had a great weekend. Did a lot of chores around the house yesterday. And Saturday, uh, spent most of the day in Austin. Austin is changing. You know, I, I, I know San Antonio is changing. But I'm walking around. I was walking around in what they call SoCo, which is South Congress Street. It's, it's, it's L.A. I mean, everywhere, everywhere you look, the people, the way they're dressed, you're in L.A. And I don't know if this is all Californians or if this is just how people in Austin have decided to kind of deck themselves out, but it reminded me very much of that kind of C&B scene, you know, very self-conscious, put-together look kind of thing. And um, I'm not complaining. I'm having a great time. I, I went to the citywide garage sale. I went in and out of some businesses. I went into a, a, a vintage, couple of vintage shops, just different things. But um, I really, I, I've been going to Austin for a long time, ever since I moved to Texas, and it's changing. I guess everything is. Speaking of change, um, you heard on the news, Christian reported that uh, there's a bill before the legislature to um, legalize uh, sports betting and casinos, meaning uh, not just on the Indian reservations, but uh, to do casinos in the in the cities of Texas, 
and to have uh, basically Vegas or Atlantic City type, uh, you know, gambling. And um, this this has come up many times. And um, I don't know if it had. We're going to talk to Senator Jose Menendez coming up on on the show next hour. But I, I don't know what the prospects will ask him. Uh, there's some Republicans that are for it. There's some Democrats that are for it. What do you think about it? I always have trouble answering this question because I don't do it. I'm not a prude. I'm, it's not that I disapprove of it. I think you should do whatever you enjoy doing. It has just zero interest for me. I have no interest in it at all. I, I, but I have no problem with people doing it. I, and, and, and for me, it comes down to this, but you may disagree. For me, it comes down to this. Once you've got a state lottery, you're, you're already, that, that you've already opened Pandora's box, right? So I don't know what, what is the point of objecting to this when you've already got that? If you, if you want to say, uh, I'm, I'm just against this on principle and the government shouldn't have anything to do with it and no licensing, then, then I guess there shouldn't be a lottery, but there is. So we have. Um, and of course the idea is that, uh, when you, when you legalize it, it generates a lot of revenue. And that certainly was true in places like Vegas, but it's sometimes not as true as they claim it to be when you go to the other states. Like every state that has had this decision that we now have has been told, oh, well, your cities will be the new Las Vegas. You'll be the next Vegas. And, and, and it doesn't always work out that way. They, they kind of oversell it. But anyway, I want to know what you think. Uh, the sales pitch is being made. You're the customer. Are you buying? Are you putting your money down? Legalized gambling, 210-599-5555. We're going to talk about it. Uh, and Democratic State Senator Jose Menendez is going to join us to do that coming up. And we're talking about the Chinese balloon, and Jeff is calling in about that on the Jack Riccardi Show. Jeff, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Uh, Great show as always. Well, thank you. Um, I think uh, that uh, the deep state doesn't didn't tell anybody in the uh, in the Trump administration because they didn't want them to know, and I think that's a worse thing than them actually being here. So it's plausible to me that there were balloon flights and they'd never told all these people that were on Team Trump and came out over the weekend and said that never happened. You're saying it's possible they were never told. Correct. And I think that that's a worse problem than them actually being here. That I agree with you. That's a great that is a great point. I mean, if if we have if we have external enemies, that's one thing. If we have people in our own government who see themselves as a star chamber, the government within the government, that that's the kind of stuff that JFK was worried about sixty years ago. Right, right. And we know what happened to JFK. Exactly. I'm just. I mean, I hate to say that. I know you sound. I always. You sound crazy when you say that, but I happen to believe there's a connection between how motivated he was to go after the CIA and then what happened to him. I I find it hard to believe that's a coincidence. I I, I agree with you. I think that I think all along it, it's a uh, it was a complete conspiracy against him, and I don't think it was Lee Harvey that did it. So uh, even if it was yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald that did it, uh, when you think of all the people that would have known or had an inkling or, yeah. or heard. You know, heard right. something 
for this guy to move around, I don't want to get out in the weeds about Lee Harvey Oswald, but when you look at the movement he made over those years before the assassination, how was he not just picked up by somebody? Right. Well, he was obviously a CIA operative because he came from he AWOL to Russia as a military member in the in the Marines. He went AWOL right. to Russia and was able to come back to the United States and face yeah. no consequences. Yeah. How many other people can you find besides him that did that? Right. And I don't think any. Russian wife and mother and her mother back <laughs> from Russia. And then, and then you're riding away for a rifle. And I, I, just the whole thing, you're on the, you're on the parade route. It's, so anyway, not to get yeah, sidetracked, but, but I agree with you, Jeff. I think it's, it's very plausible that the reason they're saying there were previous balloon flights is because that was husbanded, uh, information. Correct. And then if it's not, if there weren't, like Rubio is saying, he doesn't think there were, then right. this just becomes yet another, but Trump. That's even worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yes. exactly. Jeff, good call. Good to hear from you. Uh, we'll get to more of them coming up. 210-599-5555. You can, uh, we can, uh, talk about the, uh, balloon. We're still allowed to talk about it, you know, even though it's in pieces. Um, we're talking about legalized gambling. W- where are you on that? And, and I have to say, I, I, I'm very interested in hearing either side because I'm not, I don't have, I don't have a lot of feeling for this. I'm not, I'm not pro or con, and it's not that I'm being indecisive. It's just I'm never going to do it. So where are you on it? So um, Texas could have legalized sports gambling and uh, resort casinos in our major cities. A number of other states have done this. We're going to have a bill in the legislature to do it. They've tried this before, um, and it's not, you know, no one knows yet if the votes are there. The promises are um, it's a big revenue uh, stream which could cut property taxes, improve schools, improve roads. It, it could do all those things, but, you know, you could also just be giving these politicians more uh, play money, too. I don't know if you've noticed, but when we have a surplus in Texas, funny how it doesn't seem to find its way back to us. It seems to find its way into new things for government to do. So I, I don't know if I would get all hotted up about uh, the revenue part of it. And then I hear people say, well, I'm against it because gambling just ruins people and it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be addicted. I, I, I looked up the, the numbers because um, I was trying to figure out what is the percentage of people who become addicted to gambling. There's actually a lot of numbers. But conservatively... It seems like somewhere around 75 or 80% of people who gamble legally do so without any harm. And then not to say that the other 20% are all living in a box, you know, under the freeway, but, but then there's, there, there are people that either go too far, blow through their budget, uh, go into debt, and there are people that get to the point where it literally kills them. So you could say, well, I'm, I'm against it because uh, it can harm people. Well, the government, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, permits a wide range of things that potentially harm people. I mean, just about every drug uh, the government licenses is a drug that can kill you. And some of them do so with an alarming frequency. 
at various times in our history, the government has endorsed the use of cocaine. Um, at various times in our more recent history, some of you were alive for this, the government endorsed the use of tobacco, smoking tobacco. So I don't know that I would look to the government for either health advice or to keep me out of trouble. I don't think that's the job of government. It's not the government's job to make sure I don't become a gambling addict. Like, we're going to vote this down because Jack might lose control. That's not the role of the government. If you are prone to be addicted to adrenaline or the rush or whatever, I I think you would probably find ways to do it. Aren't people doing that anyway? I mean, even in states where there's no legalized gambling? So where do you come down on this? And like I said, maybe you're like me and you just don't, you just don't care at all. I, I just don't have a feeling for it one way or the other. But, uh, if you do have an opinion, what is it on, um, a bill that would, um, establish a Texas gaming commission, uh, that would, um, uh, and, and by the way, it's a two part process from what I was reading in Christian's, uh, story. The legislature has to pass it and then we, uh, have to vote on it. But it would put casinos in our major cities, including San Antonio. It would uh, have a generalized system for uh, betting. And they're going to tout the fact that it would bring in a lot of money. And that the states around us are doing it. So we should be doing it too. 210-599-5555. George is on KTSA. George, good afternoon. Well, I just look at it and remember what the promises were made about the lottery. Also look at it and think about where I've seen that they've got casinos put in places and just the de- general degradation of the area around them. I, I just can't get behind it. What do you mean by the degradation of the area around it? Um, you ju- You have an area that had been at least relatively vibrant and now it's like these edifices of money sucking drawing it all into the casinos and nothing coming out i just i just what do you don't mean well hold on what do you, when you say when you say uh money sucking and nothing coming out why is it any different than if you build a a shopping mall or you build a you know, a a resort with golf or a resort with whatever. I mean, isn't it just another place for people to play? No. Because on one side, you've got major corporations, gaming corporations in there that are going to take the the funds, the money, and they're going to take it out of the area. In a shopping shopping mall, in a golf course, you've got local people there working there sometimes well you'll have local people working in these casinos yeah it's just not the same okay george it's just not the same the money okay i'm not i'm not i'm not arguing with you i'm just not understanding it's a it's a business that will employ they'll buy the land they'll employ local people they'll pay taxes you can Blow your money at La Cantera, or you can blow your money at the casino. What is the difference? It's the way the money will circulate. The money circulates differently in a casino environment than it does in a retail environment. Mm -hmm. So should the government, when somebody wants to build a business, 
Should the government say, well, we'll only allow it if we think it's healthy for the community? It's not that. It's not that. I just look, like I say, I look at it honestly. I don't know if I'd vote for it one way or the other. I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't vote for it either way mm-hmm. because in a lot of respects, you know what, if you want to do that to yourself, you go ahead. Mm-hmm. But I said, I just look at it, and when they talk about all this, all these blue skies and all the things that this will do right, right. for the economy, yeah. I don't. They I almost don't over. They oversell it. They 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 do. They oversell yeah. it. It sounds like happy days are here again. I, I I'm with you on that. I get that same vibe from them, but I, I guess I come back to sort of the libertarian lowercase L libertarian outlook, which is well, if. You know, if they abide by the law and the zoning and they pay their taxes and they pay their people and, you know, what have you, um, I, I, there's all kinds of businesses I might not patronize, but I don't have a, a, a philosophical objection to them existing. Well, and, and like I said, I don't either per se. I just, I know from my observations and my looking at this many times over the years, I'm just I'm not sold on it, but if somebody yeah. wants to do it, hey, you know right. what? Knock yourself out. I just I right. don't want right. to hear you whining about it and I don't want you coming to me right. to help you overcome your gambling addiction. Okay. Fair enough. I will not come to you if I become a gambling addict. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, George. Uh no, I, I hear what he's saying though, and I and I and I know a lot of people feel this way. Uh they look at it and they go um, they, they, they look at it as a place that suckers will go into and, and be, you know, taken and, but you know what? Uh, the mall is full of those. I mean, the, the, the internet is full of those. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it is a function of government or lawmaking to keep you from eating something that's not good for you, to keep you from spending money in a way that's not good for you. Um, There may be many good arguments against you putting your money on a on a bet, or on a wheel, or on a card game, but but that isn't a function of government. We've gotten to the point where we now routinely think that government is is not doing its job if we step in a puddle, but that's not actually true. We're just so used to the interventions everywhere we turn. 210-599-5555. I, I, again, I, I don't come at this from, I don't have a, uh, a yearning one way or the other. I'm never going to go. I don't think I'm ever going to go. I've never been to one. I've been, I've been to Vegas. I really didn't do anything in Vegas except a few slot machines just to pass the time. But to be honest with you, it just isn't my, isn't my deal. So I'm just, I'm just putting that out so you won't think, uh, when you hear me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back on whatever you say just to see what you'll say. But I'm not taking a position on it. So remember last week we talked about a uh, story out of Florida, and it was viral video from uh, a school bus with students beating up a little girl, just wailing on her. It was very hard to watch or even listen to. Nine years old. Uh, we learned over the weekend. Um, WPLG television reporting that they've made arrests. And um, a boy uh, will be charged. I guess one. But I thought this was interesting, um, the television 
station story had a statement from the school district. And it says, uh, you know, we're aware that the video's out there. We've arrested the offender. It says the safety and well-being of our students is of the utmost importance. School district goes to great lengths to promote the values of restraint and respect as well as using social media responsibly, we ask that parents reinforce these principles at home. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in that little piece of boilerplate legalese. The safety and well-being of our students is of the utmost importance. Is it, though? Is it? School district goes to great lengths to promote the values of restraint and respect. I... Didn't see any of that. We asked that parents reinforce these principles at home. This is interesting because this is a school district acknowledging that parents have a job to do. I did not know. I thought it was the school's job to raise children. I thought the school taught children everything they needed to know about life and what's right and what's wrong. In fact, I thought that the schools were there to undo the damage that we ignorant parents were doing to our kids. And now they're asking us to help? That's an interesting reversal. It's a terrible story. But I just have the feeling that they're really trying to get past it. And yeah, you've got to, obviously there's got to be justice, and you've got to have the perpetrators face justice. But there's so much more wrong with this story how it happened, what the other kids are doing, the fact that there were adults on the bus, there was a driver and a and an aide. And even if the driver was busy driving the bus, well, what was the aide doing? And I heard from so many people when we talked about this last week who said, you know, my my child or my grandchild used to ride the bus and they don't anymore, and stuff like this is why. They don't care. They don't protect the kids. It's it's the Wild West. If you're a good kid or if you're not somebody that can fight back, they know you're... And, and I'm reading these emails from people, and some of these are people that have been emailing me for years, so I know they're, I know they're not weirdos or wackos. And I'm thinking to myself, this sounds like the prison yard. I mean, they prey on weakness, and they go after the ones that can't defend themselves. I'm like, it's a school bus. I'm glad they arrested the assailant. But there's a lot more to this. We'll talk about that. The only time that I really ever did any sports gambling, if you could call it that, was betting on horses at the racetrack. Mm -hmm. And one time, exactly one time, I bet on a This was at Rotama Park. I, I bet on a long shot. And as luck would have it, I was by myself and no one was there to witness. I made this, this little killing, like $400, $500. It's the only time it ever happened. And I went into the gift shop and I bought a cap because I had to have something that I could show. And I think that's why I don't bet because when I spend money, I want something in return. I want something for sure in return. I want a meal. I want a movie. I want a show. I want an experience. And I don't know. There's just something about betting that you could, you could spend the money and have nothing. Oh yeah, that's well. I can't do that. 
you know, I've my, my my mother's entire side of the family all lived in Las Vegas, and so I took a number of trips out there as mm-hmm. a kid. And I was told by all the aunts and uncles, yes, yeah. you know, I'm a little kid from Fort Worth, so you can imagine right. how different that environment is and how yeah. exciting it can be. But even as a kid, you know, you know, I had an older relative say, look, be dazzled by the lights. We'll take you to mm-hmm. shows. Have mm-hmm. fun with it. Do mm-hmm. not gamble. Yeah. Because the house yeah. always wins. Yeah. That's how it is. There you go. That's how it is. Just That's what we do here. We just tell it like it is. All right. So 210-599-5555. Um, remember, too, when I won the money, I, I just I felt like I needed to leave right then. I felt like that was a moment where if I said, and some people would do this, and I'm not judging, but some people would say, okay, I've got $500 I didn't expect to have. Let me go bet on some more races. And there were like three or four more races that night, and I just left. I just thought, you know, I this is only going to probably happen once, and it did only happen once, and just take your money and go home. Um, all right, so should there be, are you a yes or no on legalizing gambling in Texas? Senator Menendez is going to join us this half hour. Margie is joining us right now at 210-599-5555. Hello, Margie. Hi. I um, went to casinos. I love them, and I mm-hmm. think that they should be brought into our city. They will bring money. Yes, they are damaging to some people, but mm-hmm. I love the entertainment. And mm-hmm. I, I think they'd be a, a welcome sight in Texas. I, I think mm-hmm. that we need to, you know, um, to each their own. But when I win at a casino, I leave. I don't stick around. Well, you, know? you know, I hear people say, Margie, if, they're gonna, if we're going to have it in all the states around us, why are we holding out? Well, it makes me get a trip somewhere else to go to one. Yeah. You know, so you're going to do it. You're going to do it whether you have to go somewhere else or you can do it here, right? Right. I mean, you know, I haven't gone in years, but I would go if mm-hmm. I could go. And uh, mm-hmm. here, right here, I wouldn't go every day. I know that mm-hmm. if I win, I'm gone. I, they're not going to yeah. get any more money from me, and that's just the way I go. am. And it's just there like the scratch-off tickets. You know, I had a friend that died from scratch-off. He lived, eat, and breathed. Breeds. He won a hundred thousand dollars, but actually, he only won what he gave back in his lifetime. Mm. You know, so I, I'm not that way. I win five dollars. That's it, and I'm getting more yep. stretch off money. You know, and I there keep a tally of how much I won or how much I lost. And when it oh, gets okay. too high, it's gone. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's yeah. good self control. That's that's what you got to do. Uh, Margie, thanks for the call. Uh, 210-599-5555. Uh, are you a yes or no? Uh, there's a bill before the legislature, and then it would be put to us for a vote. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, as I said before, because I don't really have a, a particular yen for this one way or the other, uh, I'm kind of interested to what in what you will say. But, but one argument I don't like is the argument that the government shouldn't be involved in anything or shouldn't permit anything that can be harmful to anyone, because that is just not a realistic worldview. Um, government, whatever you want to define it as, local, state, federal, whatever, they, they routinely... Um, incentivize, de-incentivize, promote, license, uh, or not all manner of activities. They are not your go-to for self-improvement. They are not your source for, you know, 
living your best life or whatever the term is. So the actions of the state are not actions that are conducive to your best health. They would like you to think that, but that's not how it works. We know that. We should know that by now. Uh, Bill is calling in about the uh, the school bus story out of Florida. They've arrested uh, one of the students that was beating that nine-year-old uh, girl. Bill, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got a um, thing. Um, a, a ways back, I had a, a cousin about in her 40s that was uh, literally beaten to death by her own biological daughter and it's much the same way as that child was being beaten on the bus, just wild punches randomly thrown. And uh, her, she succumbed to her injuries because of this mm. beating. Now, um, I'm wondering, not that this solves the problem, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I doubt very frankly there's a way that they can sue the parents or sue the school board, not that this will solve the problem. It's almost like you're sending your children to take the same chances that a police officer is taking or a military individual is taking on the battlefield. You're sending them out there. You have no idea whether they're going to come back injured or alive anymore, and it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. This thing has to be t- this thing has to be quelled. There's no punishment. There's no and this is Florida for crying out loud. It's supposed to be like one of our safest our safe zones now. So now we're going. It's uh, it's they're coming to the, the same fate mm-hmm. as New York and California mm-hmm. were and Chicago. And where, where's one supposed to go? I, I don't blame children, right. people for taking their children out of schools because, right. frankly, I would like to watch my child walk down the aisle, not be carried by six pallbearers. Yeah, yeah. That's very powerfully put. It's a very good point. I'm sorry, but was it your sister, did you say it was? No, sir. It was a, it was a, it was a cousin of mine. She, a uh, cousin, was a okay. very timid individual, and the, 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 yeah. the, the, the daughter was, uh, was, mentally unstable. I'm sorry, I can't even I'm sorry call, for that. I can't even call this, this child on the bus an animal because an animal has a reason for doing things what yeah. it does. Even a, a, a rabid dog, you can, you can blame the rabies, you can't blame the, do- the dog. I don't right. know what's wrong with these right. kids. Well, and, and I mean, that's, that's why I say this, this story is nowhere near over. Uh, there's, and and I, I, you made a point about, is there a way to sue? Uh, and there are people talking that up and saying that should happen, and I, and I agree with them. And I, and I appreciate your call, Bill. Uh, you know, when I say it's no, nowhere near over, th- this is what I mean. The school district wants to put a bow on it. We've got the person. Uh, they're in the hands of the authorities. By the way, I, I don't know what that'll even mean. Probably like a ticket or a, you know, a misdemeanor or something. It's a kid, right? But uh, as Bill is pointing out, we need to ask ourselves why a, a, a girl going to school on the school bus would even be in this, uh, situation. Um, and if this, you know, was the only time this ever happened, okay, maybe, but we know it's not. As I said, I, I heard last week from people who said that video looks just like what my child was telling me was happening to him or to her, and that's why I don't let him ride the bus anymore. Um, and this is the part of the bigger conversation about like society. You, you get the feeling that the things we used to be able to count on or the people we used to be able to count on are have lost control or have given up responsibility and you start to think if it's you know if i if i'm not in control i can't trust them so what do i have to do well i i guess i can't trust the school bus but then can i trust the school district can i trust the classroom can i trust the curricula can, you know so these are all things that when we were growing up, our parents unthinkingly trusted, 
And that trust was rewarded. You were in good hands. Your teachers were mature people that had your best interests at heart and were not uh, trying to change your gender or suggest some new pronouns for you. They were not trying to undermine the way you were raised. School was a safe place. We were worried when a kid didn't count, go to school. The danger was if they didn't go to school. Truancy, right? This shouldn't be happening. And there shouldn't be adults present while this is happening. And I have a lot of questions about what that bus aid did or did not do. And and you get the feeling that when you watch the video, and if you haven't, I don't encourage it, but if you've seen it, maybe you'll know what I'm what I'm thinking here. I just don't get the feeling that that was the first time that had ever happened. It looked like they were used to it, both the recipient and the abuser. We're joined on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line by State Senator Jose Menendez, who has been a guest on this show as long as this has been a show. And it's great to have you back, and happy belated Happy New Year, Senator. Hey, thanks, Jack. It's always good to be with you and your listeners. Uh, and, and, yeah, I guess I guess that's a good thing. It says about longevity for both of us, right? Yeah, a lot of people don't know. He was only eight when he was elected to city council, so he has... Um, He's a phenom. So I, I, I know that you are um, you were on uh, San Antonio Sports Star talking about this, and you've been talking about the bill for legalizing uh, sports gambling and casinos. And you're making the point that this, if we if we don't do this, we're turning down a revenue opportunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. So look, um, no one likes to pay taxes. Not me, not, not, not me, not any of my conservative friends. Nobody does. But by the same token, we got to pay for roads. We have to pay for DPS. We have to pay for, uh, the highway system, our education system, all the things that, that government, uh, pays for. So the state's growing. We know we still have to make investments in our electric grid. Uh, what a better way than to import dollars and keep dollars in this state that we're currently exporting. Currently, Texans export about $6 billion to casinos around uh, the state. Around the, uh, You can gamble in every, every state around us. And uh, I think it's three to four of those $6 billion go to Las Vegas. And right now, the biggest inventions take turns between going to Las Vegas and Orlando. In Orlando, they have uh, an Indian-owned casino called the Hard Rock Hotel. So they have casino gaming there as well as Disney and Universal Studios. So mm. I would like to put, you know, Texas on that rotation for these largest mm. of, of these conventions. I, I'd hate to see any sort of – I would never be a proponent of seeing uh, slot machines in every convenience store or, or grocery store like they do in Nevada – uh, I think that would be putting people in jeopardy. I think it would be also stealing from places that currently get uh, people's, you know, entertainment money, whether it be a bowling alley, a bingo hall, or, or a pool billiard hall, anything like that. The movies, you know, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at mm-hmm. destination resort casinos where you can go to a, see mm-hmm. a dinner, see a show, have dinner, and then if you want to play a little bit before or after, then you, you can do that if you want. You you know that people are skeptical about the the revenue pitch though. They're going to say, "I'm already hearing it from people." Well, you'll you'll get the revenue, but we won't see the the 
you know, uh, equivalent reduction in property taxes or the elimination of a tax. And, and, and so how do you reassure people that this isn't just more money for a government that seems to always be looking for more money? Well, I, I would say to them, first and foremost, uh, I filed this bill back in 2009, uh, and therefore, obviously, no one's been in a big hurry to do things. If this government here in Texas were really serious about revenue opportunities for those who willingly are willing to pay for them, then we would already have uh, things like medical cannabis, some would say recreational. There are there this state has never been in a hurry just to bring in money for money's sake. Um, what I'm saying, though, is if we did this, it, it would be so uh, transformational that then we could get serious about changing the way we do uh, our state's revenue system. And, and, and property taxes are too high for everyone. They're not just high for the wealthy. They're not just high for people who, for the refineries. They're high for everybody that lives in this state, and they're, mm-hmm. they're that way because we have only two revenue streams, sales taxes, property taxes, and then the education system, the higher ed, gets some from oil and, and gas severance taxes. But outside of that, the state doesn't have any other revenue streams. So, look, I, I, I can understand people's skepticism. It, I think it's healthy to ha- be skeptical, I think especially in light of the, the people we've elected to office recently. Um, and, and, and I think people need to hold us accountable and, and that's, but, but, you know, I mean, you asked me, what is my position on this? My position is mm-hmm. still the same that I think we can make a difference in a way where only the people who, who choose to go to these casinos are, are participating and paying for it. And therefore it's more of a user fee than it is a tax. Is there any responsibility, and, and, and I, I, I do have an opinion about this, but I want to hear yours first. Is there any responsibility if the government is basically licensing this activity? Is there any responsibility for people who become addicted, who uh, lose their home, their livelihood, maybe even their life to a gambling addiction? I, I, I think there is some responsibility. I do agree with that. I, but I think... The irony of that, it, it, you know, is that in so many cases um, that we talk about governmental responsibility, um, my same conservative friends will talk about uh, the, 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 the not creating a nanny state and the individual's right to, to making their own decisions, to adults to mm-hmm. be. And so mm-hmm. I, I get addictions are addictions. And, and, and when you're addicted to gambling or you're addicted to alcohol or drugs, yes, should we help people with the disease that they suffer from? I think we should. Uh, does that mean that we, we keep all uh, normal, uh, independent adults from making decisions? You know, some people have made the, the question, should we have access to certain weapons? And my friends on the conservative side say, no, independent uh, uh-huh. Uh, law-abiding citizens should have the right to own whatever weapon mm-hmm. they want. Mm-hmm. So, which one is? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think it I don't think it cuts exactly along conservative liberal lines. I mean, I consider myself conservative, and I don't think that if if we didn't do this bill, uh, people that are addicted to gambling will still gamble. They'll they'll just go somewhere yeah. else, or they'll do it off the books. So, I, I I don't I don't think, and I think as you know. Government has a long history of both endorsing and or prohibiting things that turned out to not be good for the public 
welfare or the public benefit. So we don't we don't turn to the government for best practices or how to live our lives. And and I wouldn't say the government would be responsible. Uh, I was just asking you because I can imagine that will be one of the objections that either Democrats or Republicans will raise. Right? Yep. They'll say, "Well, we shouldn't yep. be in this business." Yeah, I've heard it from both. I've heard it from my friends and the, you know, I've had I've been in a very nice way sort of threatened by my friends and uh the moral majority in terms of uh how this is going to be against god's wishes and all of this stuff and i'm thinking to myself well then why did we legalize uh, lottery gaming or horse racing or Mm -hmm. why can we Mm -hmm. play bingo and you Mm -hmm. know now we have card rooms Mm -hmm. people have uh the ability in this state in particular people have prided themselves in, in being independent and being able to be independent adults and make a, a decision for themselves. And, and right now, anybody in San Antonio yeah. can drive a couple hours south and go to a Kickapoo casino, you know, if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, uh, wh- wh- wherever this goes and however it comes down, uh, you have been consistent on it. And, and as you say, for a long time, and, um, uh, it's going to be an interesting, do I understand correctly that it takes both the bill to pass and then a public vote? Is that right? Some, so I, I didn't draft my legislation that way, but I do think I see the merit in the legislation drafted that way. Uh, I would add, uh, if I were the, the author of this bill, I would have added, yes, so you have to put it on the Constitution to make the constitutional amendment. I would have added, if a county votes against casino gaming, that that county no longer has to, could ever be considered for casino gaming in the future. So if the residents of that county say, say no, mm-hmm. There's 254 mm. counties in Texas, mm. then then it doesn't happen. Um, and I, the reason I say this is because I think most urban counties are going to pass it with about a 70, 75%. If it does make it to the voter, mm. it, it mm. will pass. I would also have drafted it to where you'd have to have a minimum of about a half a billion dollar investment, and you'd have to have a licensing fee somewhere in the 250 yeah. to $300 million so that we know that we're dealing with people who do this professionally. Right. The last thing right. I want us to see do is here. The one of the most depressing times I've ever been is when I went down to St. Louis for the first time and I went to see the arch and then someone said, I said, what's that boat down under the arch? Oh, that's a little riverboat casino. So I, I went down there out of curiosity and it was the most depressing sight I've ever seen. It was, <laughs> it was very poor people, probably many of them yeah. with homeless just sitting yeah. there begging the machine to let them hit a jackpot. Yeah. Well, no, nobody wants that. Um, you are right. I mean, you would definitely want established players, companies that are already doing this in other states uh, to come in and do what they know would work. Um, we'll see what happens. Senator, it's good to have you. Thank you for coming on today. I hope we can talk again soon. Anytime, Jack. Thank you for inviting me. Bye-bye. State Senator Jose Menendez. I learned a new term today. Thirst trap? Do you know what that means? Do you know what a thirst trap is? Now that I know it, I'm not sure I can really use it in a Senate. I mean, it's not probably going to come in handy for me, but a thirst trap is when you take a picture of yourself looking really good, or you think you do, kind of suggestive, in order to get compliments or arouse thirst, i.e. sexual attraction, interest. So... If somebody posts a beefcake photo or a cheesecake photo of themselves and it's captioned something like, who wants to cuddle me to sleep? Or I guess I'll have to 
have dinner alone tonight or it's just me and my Netflix or something. That, that's, a, that's a thirst trap. I did not know that. I'm going to read this to you because this is an actual news article at expressnews.com. It says news. It's not a column or a cutesy little essay uh, by Stephen Santana. Uh, the headline is San Antonio drooling over Mayor Ron Nirenberg in a cowboy hat. San Antonio is drooling over Ron Nirenberg. Oh. Leave it to San Antonio to turn anything Mayor Ron Nirenberg does into a thirst trap. The third term incumbent literally has people calling him daddy in the comments section of his most recent post. Nirenberg recently filed for re-election, posted a photo to Instagram Sunday that has people thirsting over him. Let's rodeo San Antonio, Nirenberg says, under a photo of him in a cowboy hat from Paris Hatters and a flannel shirt. He's tipping his hat and smiling for the camera as he usually does. There are other photos in the slideshow of the fifth annual San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo, blah, 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 blah. However, it doesn't appear people in the comment chose to swipe left. Two more years, one user posts with a heart eyes emoji. Don't hurt him, Ron, another user says with a fire emoji. Most of the comments seem to follow suit, and they don't really seem to hold back, saying that Nirenberg knew what he was doing with the cowboy hat photo. Why is our mayor so sexy? Asks Sam Smith. Damn, Daddy! <laughs> this, is a, this is a news story. Um... The Facebook comments offer similar treatment, with users noting he resembles Clay Walker and Kevin Costner. I'm just letting that sink in. Another user went so far as to note a potential new gig once Nirenberg gives up the whole public service thing. I voted for you. I think you're doing a great job, but you just need to quit this government gig and become a male model already. The mayor's wedding band is front and center, so don't get any ideas, y'all. This is the author of the article saying this. This isn't the first time that the Brolic mayor has been objectified by San Antonio. His photo of him getting a COVID booster made the rounds, and we all remember those photos of Nirenberg lifting weights. And that's the article. That's a news article. That's the news. Now, I'm not saying that the mayor is not taking good care of himself and he's he's buff and all that. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm not saying he isn't. I'll give him I'll give him that. And I'm not in fact this has nothing to do with him. I'm not I'm not picking on him. For the record, I am not drooling, but I'm if people are, that's fine. How how is this news? I mean, if this was a column like some columnist wrote, uh, okay, maybe. Still be kind of sophomoric, but okay. But it's a news story about how good the mayor looks in a cowboy hat. And they wonder why they need a paywall, and they wonder why they can't sell it. They, can't, they practically can't give it away. And they wonder why people are losing confidence, and they wonder why 
why are people trusting bloggers and 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 Joe Rogan and why aren't they coming to us professional journalists? We're the ones that I don't know how to break this to you, but we can't tell any difference anymore. You know, you're fanboying over the mayor like he's your middle school crush. And if he is, that's okay. I'm not judging. I don't know Steven Santana, maybe. But I'm just saying it's okay to feel that way. And the mayor is a nice-looking guy. But but it's not the, it's not the news. This is not the news. A news story. 210-599-5555. While we're on the subject, and I know I'm stretching a little here, we haven't talked about it much, but and I got to preface this by saying, live your life, do what you want, be who you want. I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, it's none of my business. How much longer are we going to have this phenomenon, this fad, this chia pet delusion about all age drag shows? I, you've never heard me say word one about drag shows. I don't have any opinion. I don't have any objection. I don't go to them. I've never been to one. I don't, it's, it's fine. All ages? There's no way I have tried. There is no way that is not creepy, abusive, weird, grooming, unnecessary, inappropriate, uh, you know. I, I, I keep waiting for this to, like, blow over, like we'll come to our senses or whatever's in the air will blow out to sea like a Chinese spy balloon or see what I did there. I keep thinking any minute normal people are going to reassert themselves and, and this is going to, but it's, it's, it's still going on. And I mean, I, just to be honest, obviously I don't have, I don't have little kids and I don't have little kids that are going to drag shows, but I, I can't fathom people that are taking their kids to them, and I can't fathom people who are into drag performing for kids. Are you not embarrassed? Are you not um, uncomfortable? If you are comfortable, do you realize what that says? If you are into drag and you want to act this way in front of children, you're you're actually going out of your way to stage events and attract children. Do, do you have any idea what how that looks? What that says about you? And you may be a terrific person otherwise. I don't know you, but do you have any idea? That is like you're driving around with a, with a, in a white van with free candy on the side. I mean, that, it's that weird. I just, I had to say it because it, the news is full of this and I know the other hosts talk about it and I just, you know, I'm not going to say something when I have nothing to say, but I really don't know how much longer are we going to have to go through this? How much longer are we going to sit here and pretend that there's some educational value or this is multiculturalism? This isn't like taking your kids to Diwali. <laughs> I mean, you do get that, right? Like, this isn't expanding their horizons. or No, no. 
And I'm glad people want to read to kids. And it's great to read to little kids. And, and, and yes, anyone that volunteers to read to little kids, obviously that, that, that's a wonderful thing. But, but go read to little kids and make it about them and don't, don't make it about you. And don't, don't go in a thong. Do we even have to say this? We have to actually say this part out loud? Like, don't act this way in front of children. So the, the story about uh, drag queens that I saw yesterday was um, uh, the, the governor of Florida, I don't know if you know this or not, is uh, warning venues that are hosting all-ages drag shows that if they're allowing children in, they are risking their uh, liquor license. And he's threatening to revoke the liquor licenses of places that um, allow kids to attend these events. And what's interesting to me is um, the people opposing him or objecting to this are saying that he is abusing the power of the state to enforce his preferences. I will bet you anything. These were the same people that thought it was okay for state governments to shut down businesses if they didn't have masks or six feet or were non-essential. That wasn't abusing the power of the government, but this is. And then somebody said on Twitter, um, why can't parents decide what's appropriate for their own kids? Well, you're singing out of my songbook. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely in favor of parents deciding what's appropriate for their own kids. School systems, libs of TikTok, hello, looking at you. Um, and then they say he's trying to eliminate drag shows. Why is Ron DeSantis literally trying to eliminate drag shows? So we can't have them if children are not able to attend? Is that what you're saying? That the, uh, the, uh, the attendance of little kids is vital? <laughs> you realize how ridiculous that sounds? I mean, you sound like an idiot. I mean, you say what you want about Ron DeSantis, but the people opposing this sound stupider than anybody. Maybe stop lying to yourself about what you're doing, okay? No one is depriving you of the right to put the stuff on and to, I guess, perform or exhibit yourself. No one's, no one's depriving you of that. No one's saying you can't. I'm really not even asking for a, 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 a response from government. I'm really just asking a question. You, you describe what you do as a culture. Uh, I think that's a stretch, but okay. Help me understand the desire to involve children, the, the need, as you put it. Help me understand the benefit to children. Because you must think there is one. See, I'm not going to let you get away with the, you're censoring me. You're just, no, no, no. I'm just, I want to understand since you've thought this through, how do the kids come in? I'd like to hear that answer. It says here that over the weekend, Christian, we had the coldest temperature ever recorded for North America on Mount Washington in New Hampshire. 
You know, they have that famous weather station up on top of Mount Washington's the biggest yeah. or the highest mountain peak in the Northeast, and they right. have a weather station up there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the city of Boston went to 10 below zero on Saturday night. The uh, low on Mount Washington was 114 degrees below zero. You know what? My neighbor told me something about this yesterday. Mm. I completely discredited him because I thought there's no way he knows what he's talking mm-hmm. about. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> well, either that or I'm just as kooky as your neighbor. But uh, it says here, this is from AccuWeather. So, yeah. You know, yeah. 114 below zero as of 4 a.m. Saturday as winds were gusting close to 100 miles an hour. So the actual temperature was 47 degrees, but with the wind 114 degrees. It was like a Category 3 hurricane plus ice and snow. Sounds not real inviting. <laughs> and they have people up there. It's a manned or yeah. personed facility. Like, how do you, what do you have to do wrong to get that assignment? What do you think that pays? Because I bet, enough. It's, bet it's not enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> So anyway, yep. that just puts it all in perspective. All right, so on the uh, JR poll, are you a yes or a no on legalized casino and sports gambling for Texas? It is again going to come before the legislature. There's bipartisan support. There's bipartisan opposition. Where are you on that? If you have an opinion, yes or no, today's JR poll. You can vote by calling into the show, 210 599 5555, or you can register a vote at KTSA.com where you'll find the JR poll. We learned over the weekend that, uh, they shot down the balloon. The great spy balloon of 2023 shot down off the Carolinas, but it was over us all week. It was over all our, not all of our, but many of our, uh, bases and ICBM fields and what have you. It potentially took pictures. Interpreted, um, uh, intercepted uh, communications. We don't know. Or maybe they know and they're not telling us. But I have a lot of questions about the balloon and its little trip across our country. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to know how you feel about the way this story unfolded and the way it ended. It's just not a good look for our country, even if you believe the Biden administration's version of events. Because even if you take them at full face value, what it says to me is you see this thing coming, you choose to let it enter our airspace, you talk yourself out of taking it down, even though it's over the most sparsely populated states, uh, Alaska, Idaho, Montana, then you tell everybody, It's not going to do any harm. We've made sure of that. But then you shoot it down when it gets off the East Coast. Meanwhile, you claim you made an angry phone call to Beijing and you canceled Secretary Blinken's trip to Beijing. That all sounds like it's something serious, but then you're telling us, no, don't worry, no harm was done. That's if you believe their version of events. I just encapsulated, you know, that was the Reader's Digest condensed version of the But I'm not even sure I believe that. And just when you didn't think it could get any worse, it got worse. 
Because then the Biden administration went from, we don't know anything about anything with balloons, to, oh my gosh, could we tell you about some balloon stories? There were a lot of Chinese balloon overflights during you-know-who's presidency. And, and as, you know, as a guy who just loves his country, not his presidents, his country, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what's worse, that, that you guys were caught flat-footed by something you didn't see coming, or this has been going on for years and we don't do anything about it? I mean, really, what's the point? If this is the best we can do, maybe we ought to call China and go, come on over and pick it up. We're here. We'll give you the keys. You know, I mean, what is this stand up to China, war games? What's it all about, Alfie? A balloon. We're not talking about a stealth plane. We're not talking about a satellite. We're not talking about something we don't even know what it is. It's a balloon. It's a balloon. I mean, I I, want to laugh. I want to make jokes about it. But I don't know. I've read too much about the Chinese government. Not not the Chinese people, just to be clear. Nothing against the culture or the people. The, The Chinese government is a is some very bad men and a very dangerous regime. And I just, the, the, whether you believe their version or what you're seeing with your own lion eyes, it's a terrible look. And then they, and then they had to go to the Trump thing. So what do you think? It's been going on for years. Trump let it happen too. Is that a defensive Biden letting it happen? I don't know. Doesn't seem like it would be. I thought he was supposed to be better and tougher. Um, or you don't think that, in which case, why is everything always traced back to Trump? Are we going to do this forever? Is every time somebody gets caught failing, we're going to go, well, you know, Trump failed like that once. Is, th- is that really where we're at? 210-599-5555. I used to think Donald Trump talked about himself too much, but now I think Democrats talk about Donald Trump too much. I mean, we finally found a group of people that, that think more of Trump than Trump does. It's the Democrats. And so they, after spending the week with all these sort of varying versions of the balloon story, they pivoted to, oh, well, um, you know, Trump did it too. So we got that. We got the legalized casino story or issue before the uh, legislature and what you think about that. 210-599-5555. I wrote a piece for KTSA.com today uh, entitled Everything We Want. You ever noticed all the things that we supposedly want that we really don't want? So I saw a story today from Axios.com that says uh, the plant-based meat companies are going out of business. Their sales are in a death spiral at Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. Have you ever had any of that stuff? I've tried it. It's actually not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. It didn't make me want to give up beef or chicken, but it wasn't horrible. But their business is collapsing. They had a little bit of a surge during the pandemic and the supply chain crisis, but now they're laying people off and losing money. This was supposed to be the future. This was what we wanted. We wanted fake meat, except we don't. 
And then I saw a story today about um, Siemens, the uh, global green energy company. They lost $1 billion in the fourth quarter of last year. They make the big wind turbines, you know, the ones that are taller than the Statue of Liberty and so forth. That They make them, and they lost a billion in the fourth quarter. They actually took zero orders for wind turbines in the fourth quarter. I thought this was the future. I thought this is what we wanted. And you know why they're hurting? You know what's killing them? They have to back all these turbines with warranties, and the turbines are failing. They're hemorrhaging money servicing the ones they've already sold, and now the people that were the utilities and the countries that were buying them have stopped buying them. So again, something we supposedly want, we don't really want. I saw a story today that Netflix has struck a deal with General Motors. Now, in and of itself, that seems innocuous. What is it like General Motors ads will run in Netflix programming or whatever? No, listen to this. The deal uh, means that Netflix will intentionally feature GM's electric vehicles in movies and television shows, including in the titles of Netflix shows. So it's product placement. So they've got to shove these things that nobody's buying into Netflix movies and TV shows in the hopes of, I guess, creating a sense, oh, they're everywhere, everyone's got them. Why don't we have one? And again, I'm not against it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. It's just pathetic. It's pathetic that they've tried to portray this stuff as, well, people want it. They really don't want it. And it, and you can find other examples. Everywhere you look, there's something that we supposedly want, but it turns out we don't. Joe Biden. How many polls have they done? There was just another one that came out. The Wall Street Journal had it. The, all these polls where majorities, huge majorities of Democrats, his party, are saying he should not run for re-election. We do not want him to run for re-election. Now, they're not saying they won't vote for him if he's their nominee. They probably will. But they're saying, we don't want him. But all the leading lights in the Democratic Party and the Democratic media are all building him up, right? He's like, Roosevelt, it's been great. We need it. And the Wall Street Journal's headline was, does the Democratic Party care what his voters think? You see it everywhere, right? Electric cars, green energy, plant-based meat, Joe Biden. We don't seem to want what they keep telling us we want. What is wrong with us? Corinne Jean-Pierre at the White House podium today said this, The president is heavily engaged in the writing process. When you hear the speech, there will be no questions that this is a Joe Biden State of the Union speech. Why do they say heavily engaged? Are they trying to say he's writing it? Then just say that he's writing his he's writing the speech. It's his it's his it's his speech. He's writing heavily engaged. You know, like like what? What does that mean? Don, you had a good question about this speech. It's tomorrow night, by the way. It'll be uh, on KTSa after Lars Larson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my question is, I was kind of curious, uh, is Mike McCarthy going to rip up the uh, 
State of Union ad- address after it's uh, all done and yeah, said? Yeah, there you go. Uh, um, I'm going to put my money on the no square for that one. But uh, we'll see. Oh, wait, I can't do that yet. It's not legal. Maybe you'll um, catch it on fire instead. Maybe <laughs> Light it on yeah, fire. Yeah, I don't know. No, I... I, it will be. The, it'll be the. How many years has it been since we've had one of these without Nancy Pelosi smacking her gums in the background? We haven't had that in a long time, have we? Right? I mean, she's been up there a long time. So no, Nancy Pelosi. Don't get your hopes up. No, Nancy Pelosi to watch. Always fascinating to watch the facial expressions and the various gestures. And Trump had her just. Oh my gosh, she was just coming apart. Right. So anyway, um, that's tomorrow night. I I would imagine. Look, I don't I don't believe he's writing the whole thing, but I believe it will it will sound like Joe Biden because it will be read by Joe Biden. And you know, come on, man, and that's no joke, and you know, stories of his youth. He'll refer to himself as Joey at some point. He'll have some story about his father or a train. <laughs> he'll he'll talk a lot. They they do this a lot. He'll talk a lot about um all the jobs he created and all the businesses he created. They're not even honest enough to just say this is stuff that was killed by the pandemic and it's just coming back. You know, like I would liken it to this. I have a lawn, okay? And in the winter, my lawn goes gray and dead and dull and crunchy. And then in the spring, the green grass comes up again. The reason the green grass comes up again, starting already, is because that's what it does. I didn't make that happen. I'm not doing anything to make it happen. I'm not contributing to that happening. That's nature. It looks like it's never going to come back, and then it does. Joe Biden didn't create 120 million billion new jobs. The pandemic killed jobs that existed, businesses. So anyway, I I, I imagine it will be way too long. We will be told by the media that it was a, a great and important moment. Uh, because he needs them to say this, somebody will probably say this is the beginning of his comeback or this is the beginning of his kicking off his re-election campaign. We'll be here the following morning to play oddball things he said or gaffes. <laughs> I mean, that, isn't that pretty much it? I mean, have I, have I summed it up? Have I missed anything? I mean, that's that's pretty much what it'll be. And maybe there's a little bit of suspense about the Republican response, because it, it will either be awful or a little bit awful, or maybe Sarah Huckabee Sanders will surprise us and it'll be great. The response is, I, I'm trying to remember, and I, I don't remember them all. Has there ever been a, a, a Republican response to one of these that you were just like blown away by? Because I can't remember one. They always say, oh, this is the next big person and this is a rising star. And then it just kind of... Remember Bobby Jindal when he was the governor of Louisiana? Marco Rubio lunged for the water bottle. Uh, that guy that was the governor of Virginia, then he got indicted for about a hundred different, <laughs> different felonies. I mean, it was, 
It's it's just I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll be different this year. There's a photograph uh, that's circulating mm. around social media out there that yeah. uh, has a a picture of uh, the first page of the union address that's going to be uh-huh. read tomorrow night, oh. and next to the first the the first page, there is a plate of cookies. I think it's only a couple of cookies. One is half eaten, and oh. and there's. They're expressing the fact that this is the snack that uh, oh. that Biden is uh, snacking on as he's writing oh, okay. the address. What a regular guy. He's <laughs> like us. He's munching on some cookies, writing a speech. <laughs> okay, we'll see. All right. But anyway, 210-599-5555. Uh, so we've got the legalized gambling we're all going to hell, or we're all going to make a lot of money for the state. What do you think? Where are you on that? We've got the balloon. We've got the State of the Union. We've got all this news about things that we supposedly want and are popular that the public is rejecting. It's just uncanny how much is going on around us that is being presented to us as this is your future, you're going to want the, you know, we're going to eat crickets. I mean, all this stuff they're telling you you can look forward to, people are saying no. A- definitely not. Absolutely not. I'm in a quicksand and I'm starting to sing. I need someone to help me, but I don't know which way to turn. I know I don't have much of a Every so often, somebody will ask me, and uh, I just got an email about an hour ago. Uh, why do you, why do you call the show a dreadful little show? And I have to tell the story because I don't want to take credit. Um, th- this was from a, a letter a lady wrote me years ago. I say lady; I'm pretty sure it was a lady. It was very nice cursive handwriting. It just struck me that it was probably an older person. And it was a, it was not a fan letter. And it was very, it laid out all of the ways in which I'm horrible. And, um, I don't remember even what the trigger was, like what topic or, or news story led to this denunciation, this, this, this dismantling. I can tell this. I, I'm pretty sure she's not listening. Although people like that actually do listen, right? So she probably is listening. I don't know. Anyway, I want to give her credit. But the the phrase that stuck out in the letter it's like three pages of hand, of cursive handwriting. So it looked like a letter you'd get from like your grandmother or something, but it was not. But the the phrase that stuck out was "your dreadful little show," and I just thought that is perfect. I would have named it that from the start if I had thought of that. We even have it on the Facebook page for Jack Riccardi's show. So that's where it comes from. If you were wondering, um. But yeah, I, you know, uh, we were talking about all these things that you're being told you want. I don't know if that's gaslighting or what it is, but but people are rejecting the things that are supposed to be their future. And I don't think it's just that we choose not to or we opt out of. I, I really have more serious questions about this whole kind of um, green energy you know, net zero emissions project. 
Because you and I might look at it and go, well, I'll never drive an EV or I'll never buy that green product or whatever. And maybe you will and maybe you won't. But the push to get there is about our whole civilization. You know, whether you've opt in or not, right? Infrastructures being built as we're sitting here talking. Billions and billions and billions of dollars are being spent building things that may fail, that may prove not to work. We're building a power infrastructure that many reputable scientists believe will not work or prove insufficient to the needs of mankind. And some even say it will be bad for the environment it purports to be saving. I was reading about an MIT scientist who had written a paper about this. He said there's no scientific basis for the declaration of a climate crisis. And there's no reason why civilization can't advance using both fossil fuel power and nuclear power. And he would advocate eventually shifting more toward nuclear power. And he says, then if you want to do more things with electricity, you have the the hope of perhaps generating enough electricity. But if you're trying to do more things with electric, but you think you're going to generate it with wind and solar, it is not going to happen. And really, those are the only reasons. If, if EVs are a good idea, they're only a good idea if the E in the EV is generated in a clean way. Not really a good idea if you had to have a coal-fired plant to power your EV. And so what he's saying is, this is not even about, quote-unquote, saving the planet. This is a partnership among self-interested actors, businesses, politicians, alarmist activists. He calls it an unholy alliance. He refers to it as the climate industrial complex, play on words. And there are others that have said this. I don't know. I'm a guy that reads this stuff. I'm not, not a scientist. But I heard somebody say, I guess about a year or two ago, and I thought it made a lot of sense, that climate policy may turn out to be more detrimental or threatening than climate change. If you believe, as I do, that the climate of our planet has always been changing, and I don't just believe it, there's ample evidence that it's always been in flux, then that's just there. That's that's baked into the cake. But climate policy are the things we decide to do that can help or hurt like Germany deciding last year to scrap its nuclear reactors. This is a major industrial country, one of the most industrial countries on Earth. Scrapping nuclear reactors, not having a replacement plan in place. And how many, how many countries are doing essentially a version of what California is doing? California is making all these declarations and setting all these targets but then they're importing energy from neighboring states because they're not generating enough on their own. So right before their, it's not hypothetical, right before their eyes, 
the leadership of California is watching their states starve for power. And in any other era, the response from both political and business leaders would have been to get on their horse and start building and building out and and beefing up. That's, to use an expression, that's what made this country great. That when people saw growth and need, they rose to the occasion and they met it. There needed to be a bridge, they built a bridge. If there needed to be a dam, they built a dam. If there needed to be a highway, they built a highway. If there needed to be a library, and so it goes. Right now, we're not building things, we're building mirages, we're building illusions. We're telling people you can have this, this, and this, and we won't make any pollution. And some people don't believe it. Maybe you're one of those. But there are people that want to believe it. So without really thinking about it, they go, well, all right, that sounds good. We need to do that. I I guess they know what they're talking about. And that's why I asked the question, could we ultimately have more, more harm, more human suffering from climate policy than from whatever they allege uh, climate change might do? 210-599-5555. Ben is on KTSA. Hi, Ben. Uh, good evening. Uh, I wanted to tell you about the Porsche Motor Car Company. Uh, currently in Chile are testing a synthetic fuel that's made with electricity, water, and carbon dioxide. And it's a synthetic, I believe it's methanol, if I'm not mistaken, carbon neutral. And it looks like it's going to be a direct substitute for gasoline. So we, all current cars will be able to use it. And totally agree. Well, methanol is not, if it's methanol, Ben, that's not new. Methanol has been around for a very long time. And we, we actually have a methanol blend in the gasoline we use now. But it's a, it's a synthetic one where they, it's basically they're splitting water into hydrogen and oxygen. Mm-hmm. And somehow so do you mean they're not making it from, they're not making it from grains? No. No, uh, not at all. Okay. Uh, I know that one of the objections, and, and, and I'm not an expert, I know one of the objections to methanol was that if you made it from, uh, like, corn, you were cutting into the production of food. You would uh, eventually have a, a tug of war between uh, producing food and producing energy. So it sounds good if you're doing it synthetically. The other knock on methanol was that methanol itself can be very corrosive to the um uh, you know, like the the innards of an internal combustion engine. Do you know if they've addressed that at all? Yeah, because a uh, uh, regular methanol has a uh, moisture water in it, and that's what mm-hmm. would, would corrode the, the parts. But mm-hmm. if you get a chance, Google it. There's a great article, okay. Uh, okay. several articles on it, and it, it's it's really gonna. I think it's gonna save us a lot. <laughs> I really think there's stuff like that out there that we are being told to disregard or ignore because the the the, the politicians have already decided, you know, they've they, it's like they've chosen the course of action and nothing will dissuade them. But if they were sincere about saving the planet, I would think they'd be open to anything, right? If, if this works, and currently it costs uh, because Porsche in Germany, based in Germany. The price of the fuel is 20% more than gasoline in Germany. 
but that's still a viable price for right. You right. Know, once it yeah, gets I'll, I'll, um, used, it'll get cheaper. I will look it up. That sounds good. Thanks for thanks for thinking of me, Ben. I appreciate your call. Uh two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um we we do have um challenges. I mean I'm not I'm not I'm not sitting here saying let's just keep doing everything the way we've always done it. I mean, in my lifetime, which isn't that long, we've had to deal with getting cleaner air, we've had to deal with um finding new ways to extract uh, oil and natural gas, which we have done. But those things all came from an era when we were still trying to um, enhance human life on Earth. In other words, whatever we were doing or changing, the goal was for people to thrive. Right? All of a sudden, it feels like we, the people, are are some sort of affliction for the leaders, and they're figuring out what they've got to do to deal with us. We're we're a problem that has to be solved. We're a a side effect that has to be managed. We're bitter clingers, as Barack Obama famously called us. And I I know this isn't what he was talking about, but um, so when I listen to people talk about net zero and climate policy, it just sounds like they hate the dilemma of human beings living on earth like everything this planet would be so great except for those seven billion freaking human beings you know and i mean how is it that we're being led by people who see us as a problem so that's a big question i guess that's a rhetorical question at this point on the jr poll we asked you are you a yes or no on texas legalizing gambling it was very close 51 percent said no 49 percent said yes and we'll have a new jr poll question tomorrow we get started at four live but you can find the poll anytime at ktsa.com look for the jr poll and in fact you can find this show anytime as a podcast whole episode podcast Go to KTSA.com, pull down the on-demand menu, or just look for the Jack Riccardi Show, any place you like to get your other favorite podcasts. So this afternoon, while I was prepping the show, I had to call, I'm not going to say the name of the company, it's not important, I had to call a company with a customer service issue, it's a billing issue, it's complicated. It took, it was very hard to get through. This is one of those companies that really doesn't want to talk to you. Go to our website. But I needed to talk to somebody. This was, this was beyond the frequently asked questions that they have on the website. I finally get a live person. I know you think I'm going to say there was a language barrier or something. No, there wasn't. But he was not able to help me. He couldn't grasp what had happened. I went through it a few times. I think I'm pretty good at explaining, but I couldn't. And I'm not faulting him because it was, again, it's a tangled knot of a mess <laughs> I got myself into. But anyway, so we're not, and, and you know what he does? He, he, once he realizes he, he's, he doesn't know the answer to my question, he says, well, you really should go to our website. And I said, well, no, I, I've been on your website. I, I couldn't get satisfaction. I, I, I want someone to help me. 
Is it is that over? I mean, am I the only one? I, I'll do what I can do on the app. I'll do what I can do on the website. I'm not trying to bother anybody. But once in a while, could we have some human-to-human contact? Once in a while, could you just help a brother? So anyway, the call goes on. I'm trying to be polite, but I'm a little frustrated. And then he, then he said those words that set me off. He says to me, we're wrapping up the call. And he says to me, is there anything else I can help you with? Is there anything else you can help me with? And I had to say it. Not, I didn't yell. I just said, um, that's only a good question if you did help me with something, but you haven't. You haven't yet helped me with anything. So there isn't something else you can help me with until there's something you've already helped me with. Over his head. I know these people have their job, and I'm not picking on him. And he seemed like a nice guy. But and, and I and I realize that maybe my question will go to like a need to go to like a supervisor or something. But don't say, "Is there anything else <laughs> I can help you with?" I know it's on the screen, but you haven't done it yet. But yeah, I am seriously. I, I am wondering about this. I don't know if you ever think about it. It it, it feels like we are supposed to fend for ourselves. Do it on the app. Do it on the website. You're not supposed to call people. I'm so old. I remember when companies put their phone numbers right there where it's plain. You could see it. You know, please call us anytime. Yeah, they don't want you to. I'm, I'm just letting you know. When they say that, you can call us. They, they don't want you to call them. Don't don't really do it. I'll see you back here tomorrow at four or anytime at ktsa.com.